Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My thanks this week to sponsor Hayloft Plants Limited from Pershaw in Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. My first visit to the Chelsea Flower Show was way back in 1952. I'm afraid I nipped out of school early, got the bus from Chelmsford to the Bow Underground, around to Sloan Square and walked down to the Chelsea Hospital site and remember as clearly as if it was yesterday, walking into that big marquee and seeing the absolutely staggering floral exhibits staged by the likes of uh, Sutton's Seeds of Reading and Carter's of Rains Park. It would be uh, pretty fair to say, I think, that best part of 25% of my working life has been spent, particularly at uh, Chelsea and some other national shows. Uh, and so I see them as quite a significant part, really, of the horticultural world. And we've just heard from the Royal Horticultural Society that they're likely to reduce the numbers going in 2021 as long as they can actually hold the show because uh, it was, of course, cancelled last May. A long-term servant of the Royal Horticultural Society, Stephen Bennett, was the horticultural show's director for over 30 years and... Uh, he will hold the Chelsea Flower Show pretty dear. He knows pretty well as much about it as anybody does. And in a recent article in uh, Horticulture Week, uh, he poses a whole series of questions about uh, what needs to be done to ensure that uh, Chelsea Flower Show retains its international reputation. Uh, Stephen, welcome to our podcast. Do you think that the show world is fit for change? I don't think the show world is ready for change, but change it must. And to put it into context, um, the, the, the world of horticultural events is part of the events industry. And we all know through nobody's fault that what, with what's going on with COVID-19, events cannot easily be planned with all the external certainties here. So to answer your question, I don't think the show world is fit for change, but it certainly needs to be changing. I mean, when you, uh, you were working with the Royal Horticultural Society, you, you saw them change from, uh, was it 26 London shows each year to none in the provinces, 
to a considerable number in the provinces and pretty few in London. We've seen the Wisley Flower Show, for example, prove very successful. Do shows have to be on a smaller scale and more local? Well, I've always said that the um, a successful exhibition or event or flower show doesn't need to be based on any fixed formula. It is, at the end of the day, um, uh, if you like, a marketplace with somebody supplying and others um, satisfying that demand, exhibitors and visitors. And I think there needs to be a good balance between the content of a show or, or the range of exhibitors and the type and quality of those exhibitors on the one hand with, on the other hand, an, an appropriate audience in terms of size and and quality. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a very small show like the ones you've just been referring to, Peter, that were held for so long at Vincent Square, where there might only have been 35 or 40 exhibitors and an audience of 2,000 over two days, those two groups were happy because they, they were a good balance for each other. And you go up the scale to, to the other shows and through to the shows in Birmingham and Morven and Cardiff and up to the big ones at Chelsea and Hampton Court, which uh, in my day peaked at 192,000 visitors and 650 exhibitors. And so long as the balance is appropriate for the event and the venue can cope you have a successful show. You referred earlier to the, um, the the growth of the provincial shows, your term, I think. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and it, you, it, it was so much more easy in those days to, to... I mean, nobody needed 26 shows in one venue in the middle of London annually when there weren't any RHS shows elsewhere. And it was relatively easy to pick six or seven of them and move them to Cardiff, Morven, Birmingham, Hampton Court, Tatton Park, Morven Autumn, etc. They were satisfying seasonal needs. And if you put that together with a new geographic region, you had a new audience and a successful show. We used to be able to plan four, five, six years in advance. Who's planning four, five, six years in advance now? It's impossible. I mean, that sort of brings us up to the $100 question. We've just heard that the uh, attendance at uh, Chelsea in 2021 is likely to be reduced. There's a lot of other uh, unpredictable likely happenings between now and May. Surely the attendance to Chelsea can't be reduced much more. I seem to remember when it was 260,000 over four days. Yeah. And what is it now? 160,000 over five days. Uh, in more space now than it used to be held then. Um, yeah, well, it's in, it's an extremely difficult position for the organisers, the RHS, to be in. It's clear that they cannot... Um, expect the venue to absorb that volume of visitors given the current expectations and need for social distancing, not just for visitors, but for the exhibitors and everybody else working on site. It would be irresponsible to, to run a show at full volume, in visitor volume. So, yes... I think it's inevitable that the RHS needs to reduce the volume of visitors. 
And then going back to my point about balance between content and an audience, that rather suggests that the the size of the show content needs to be reduced in proportion with the reduction of visitor volume. So basically, to put it simply, you have a smaller show, fewer exhibitors, fewer visitors. I don't see any other option for 2021. But then what happens to the finances? Because you've got all the infrastructure to put in. Mm -hmm. So do you push the ticket price up? I would have thought it was getting fairly near the maximum of what it could be. Well, it's a tough call, but I think if you're selling tickets for an event that has reduced in size and content, I'm afraid the ticket price probably has to go down, not up. Goodness, yeah. And and the RHS will will inevitably take a very big financial hit on the financial income that they normally enjoy from that show. But if we look a little bit into the future, I can only use my experience from the past. And I remember uh, in uh, your period of administration, we had really big exhibits from Holland mm. and from Belgium and from France and mm. Italy. And somehow we've lost all of that as we switch to big, uh, fairly theatrical show gardens. Uh, and in my mind there's what's happening in the rest of the world. Now, I think you've been to uh, the Middle East and to Singapore, mm. which I've not done recently, and there are horticultural events there which begin to uh, overshadow the international reputation, the fine interna mm. international reputation that Chelsea has. Now, am I, am I correct in those fears? Can you describe a bit what you saw in uh, Singapore? To compare events, you do need to understand what the differences are between the venues and the dynamics. So just taking Chelsea as a benchmark, it's a five-day event in a relatively small venue in the middle of London, which can accommodate, say, 600 exhibitors and, when times are good, 165,000 visitors. But it is a, a short exhibition. Singapore, and I think you're referring possibly to Singapore's fabulous gardens by the bay that's open 365 days of the year it is a big uh, open botanic garden a part of whose space is set aside every other year for a flower show or they call it the S S singapore international garden festival it's actually much easier to run the event at singapore which can which can run by the way for a month in a venue which is owned and managed year-round compared to what the RHS has to do, which is to get in and out of the Royal Hospital in Chelsea in a relatively short period of time, build the show, run it, strip it out again, and, and clear off all from beginning to end within six weeks. The comparisons are interesting, but not necessarily directly relevant. My apologies for being irrelevant, Stephen. I often am. <laughs> but at the same time, we have a very mobile population. Yeah. And if you've been to Dubai or to Singapore yeah. or to the Kirkenhof, come to that, yeah. which is only open for, what, uh, 10 or so weeks, yes. if we're going to maintain our fine reputation here in Britain, we need to shake ourselves up and do something, don't we? Well, you just used a very important word there, reputation. And I, I think the thread that's got to go through these challenging times for the RHS and Chelsea Flower Show is that whatever physical measures 
the society needs to take to continue to run the show inevitably now in uh, an adjusted format, at least temporarily, 21, 22, what they must not lose sight of is the horticultural standards and reputation of that event. I think it would be better to shrink the size of the show but maintain the standards of horticulture and present it by all means to a smaller audience but don't let go of the quality of the event. I think that would be more dangerous in terms of its long-term credibility than taking measures which might be financially tempting. Let me give you an example. When I was running Chelsea, I, I used to speculate idly that a way of hugely increasing revenue would be to take all the horticulture out of that great pavilion, all the nurseries and the overseas exhibits, and fill the whole thing with, with restaurants and coffee shops. It would make a fortune, but it would be the last Chelsea Flower Show. <laughs> Well, you know you're touching all kinds of nerves because I've been in that pavilion building exhibits since 1962 or three, I think. But you've put your finger, I think, right on a sore point in that those of us uh, who go to that show are often at enormous personal cost, financial and energy, uh, and we're becoming less. And with the uh, cancellation of the show last May, a number of those specialist uh, nursery exhibitor people have found that they can trade online and that all of that expense is a less attractive, shall we say. And I have heard it rumoured that, that Chelsea might be extended for another day. Well, now, we have to remember that it's the bank holiday, the last one in May, which is the busiest possible time for the garden centre world. And when it was extended from Friday into Saturday, it had my hair standing on end. And if they extend it into Sunday, I mean, the show's shot Friday night, really, leave alone Saturday. And so to take it on into Sunday, it's just going to be dusty and dead. And, and we're all going to have terrible problems. Uh, it, uh, horticulturally, the show, the plants would easily survive another day and, and be in, in good condition. I mean, Chelsea currently is open to RHS members and the public from Tuesday to Saturday in May. The Hampton Court show runs from Tuesday to Sunday in July, sometimes a hot July. And I, the show can look perfectly good on the sixth or seventh day. So although that's um, a, a theoretical concern, I think you know exhibitors would not let their uh, show gardens or, or displays deteriorate to that extent. The issue is not so much one of horticultural excellence, but of practicalities. And you touched on the fact that uh, Chelsea concludes on the late May bank holiday. Currently, it closes on um, a Saturday evening that allows some people to start dismantling on Saturday night. And the whole of Sunday, when London traffic is relatively quiet, to be the first very intense breakdown day. If you push that breakdown day onto Monday with traffic on Sloan Square and Chelsea Bridge Road and the embankment all at full stretch, it, it would be mayhem. So I don't think it's a practical suggestion, however well-intended it, it's intended to be. No. 
So what is the future then? If we forget 2021, which is going to be difficult, do we just jog gently on with Chelsea as it is? Well, you say forget 2021, Peter, but I, I think 2020, a big decision needs to be made very soon about 2021. I mean, I either cancel the show, sadly, and I hope that does not happen, but if it's cancelled, at least it suspends the the show's credibility and risk and reputation for another year. Or if it's going to be run in a different format, fewer visitors, uh, less content, it needs to be handled extremely carefully so that the revised 2021 Chelsea Flower Show wins respect from the industry, from exhibitors, from the public and from the media. And if they are going to run a an adjusted 21 show. It needs to be done in a way that acts as a stepping stone into 22. Yes. Well, if it's any help, we certainly have a site accepted uh, in the Great Pavilion and it's my plan to build a duplicate display the week before at the RHS Garden at Hyde Hall. So then whatever happens, we will have our display, we'll be able to stage the new plants if Chelsea goes ahead, there'll be an even bigger audience for uh, what we have to put on display. And if it doesn't go ahead, well, then at least the visitors to Hyde Hall will be able to see what we're doing. Do you think more exhibitors should take that lead? Well, that's the genius of Peter Seabrook there, belt and braces. It's, I think it's a very practical, very, very um, thoughtful approach that you've got your exhibit at best at both venues at the Garden in Essex and also at Chelsea. And if, if if Chelsea can't happen, you know, the public can enjoy the display, the exhibit at, at Hyde Hall. Can I finally put you right on the spot, Stephen? I remember at one Chelsea Flower Show, we had a number of page three girls uh, <laughs> and managed to embarrass you beautifully by taking photographs of the RHS Chelsea Show director with... Uh, uh, appropriately clad, I add, um, page three girls. Um, do you have any other, um, shall we say, happy memory or strong memory of your time with the, the RHS shows? I, I do, actually, Peter. I've got on the piano in my front room a framed photograph of myself with my feet in a, a Dougie Knight rock and water garden pool, trousers rolled up, wearing... <laughs> The straw hat of one Mr. Peter Seabrook. <laughs> well, you know why I wear that hat? I'm not very good with mobile phones, and I found it was easier standing fairly tall. That if I had a f fairly obvious hat, when people needed to get a message to me, they could see me across the crowds. Yes. So that's well, the explanation of the hat. Yeah. Very fun. That was 1986 or 87. Goodness. Stephen, thank you very much for your yeah. time. I look forward to meeting you at Chelsea and no doubt we will have opinions whatever happens. I'm sure we will, Peter. Lovely to talk to you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It was very wet here last weekend. The soil needed all that heavy rain, uh, which uh, has settled uh, the soil on my sweet pea trenches and uh, will make autumn digging so much easier kept me indoors too and got the dreaded VAT underway. Boy, how I hate that job every quarter. So what's new in uh, our world? Um, I was a bit disappointed to hear that the National Trust has had to remove a record number of trees, some 40,000 suffering with ash dieback fungus. Uh, and it's uh, costing them about £2 million to... Uh, get them out apparently. Uh, the trust expects to lose between 75 and 95% of all ash trees in the next 20 to 30 years. I must check up on the work at uh, East Malling Research where work was being undertaken to find uh, resistant uh, ash. You, if you grow enough seedlings uh, and expose them to the disease with a bit of luck, one or two come through and then, of course, we can propagate from those with the, the found resistance. I have a three-year-old sturdy ash seedling ready to plant and if we all keep planting seedlings of Fraxinus, the ash, with luck, some of the new saplings will show resistance uh, and we won't lose them in the way that we lost so many uh, elms to Dutch elm disease. Apparently the very dry conditions last spring and then high temperature put trees under stress, making ash more susceptible to that uh, killer disease. There is a new crop science centre that's just opened in Cambridge which will be working on resistance to pest and disease and so uh, we wish them uh, every success. New measures have been introduced to, to prevent the introduction and spread within the EU of the tomato brown rugosa fruit virus. There is hope here with a Dutch company, Enza Sarden, already identifying a gene that gives high resistance to this damaging disease. There's one thing, if you are travelling in due course, when travelling becomes easier... Please avoid bringing tomato fruits well, and tomato seeds into this country from abroad. Uh, it would be uh, terrible to get that tomato brown rugosa fruit virus uh, established here. So what's been in my diary? This week I visited the Sun offices for only the second time in five months and driving into London was a piece of cake. 
Boy, it's a strange, strange town these days. We didn't stop. Going home wasn't quite so quick, with evening traffic through the East End pretty well back to normal. Looks as if people are not too keen on commuting back by rail and too many of us on the road. A day was also spent with the, the David Colgrave Foundation trustees at Horticulture House near Didcot. It's rewarding to uh, hear some of the £1,000 worth of scholarships allocated each year can help new entrants coming to work in our industry. Uh, congratulations too are in order for those folk at Pershaw School who've uh, by their hard work doubled the number of students who have enrolled this autumn into the school garden club. It's difficult for those of us mentoring and helping such clubs at present when uh, current restrictions prevent our visits. My local school garden looks uh, terrible and is uh, overgrown. What about a bit of weekly advice? Well, if you uh, grow onions, I hope they're lifted and in single layers drying out somewhere in the warm. Left on the ground, as I'm afraid I left just a few of mine, with all the rain, they will be uh, rooting out again. And of course, with that uh, new root, it will uh, reduce the food storage and the onions won't keep anywhere near as long as if you've had them in a dry in good time. Rough winds uh, last weekend brought down apples and pears and if you have fruits unpicked, try to get them uh, into trays and somewhere cool. There's always an exception to the rule uh, and in this case, apple braben is one of the last to ripen and it may well be early November before it lifts easily from the trees and can be stored. That late ripening is, of course, a benefit because under cool conditions, it means it will keep a long time too. And Braben does keep right round into March and beyond and is still well worth eating under ordinary uh, domestic garage-type storage conditions. If you're thinking of planting a Braben, remember it needs a warmth. So find a warm, sheltered position in the garden for it. Oh, and for the tailpiece. A quote from George Carlin who said, Flowers are one of the few things we buy and then watch die without asking for our money back. I'm reminded of this by a vase of uh, six uh, reflex standard chrysanthemums cut from the garden two weeks ago and still looking as beautiful as when they came indoors. Haven't homegrown cut chrysanthemums got remarkable uh, vase life? Boy, they're good value. As our garden mums, we've some of the Poppins series at Hyde Hall how useful they are to provide colour in the garden at this time. Enjoy the open air as much as you can, even with these shortening days, and we'll be back with you next week. My thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited of Pershaw, Worcestershire, and to my producer, Rich Jarman.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.